This is Motor Mania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Yes, Motor Mania with you through until uh, midday. And I'm joined now by Inda Shanjado of Motoring Middle East and Noel Ebden, automotive journalist. Good morning. Morning, mate. All good, all good. We've got some interesting cars downstairs we're going to get into uh, a little later on. Let's get straight into it uh, with, with the, the car situation. Now, you went out, Noel, and did the, uh, the global launch of the Land Rover Discovery. No, I did, Defender. Yeah. Defender, Defender 130. 130, yeah. The eight-seater, not seven-seater, eight-seater. Yes. Uh, so this is basically an extended version of the 110. So you've got the 90... Uh, which is obviously small, good for like a couple or you know single guy or whatever. Then you've got the 110, which has been selling like crazy, and now you get the 130 coming, which is basically extended at the back. It's it's very long. I saw it in a workshop. I couldn't. Uh, for those who listened to the show last time, you would know that I was hardly able to speak. So yes. I said to the guys from from Jaguar Land Rover, I said, "Look, thank you so much, but a night in the desert is not going to do the voice any good." So I'm so glad that you got out there and uh, and got behind the wheel and enjoyed it in the dunes. It was, and it was pretty hectic as well. I mean, they didn't go easy on us. So there were some uh, journalists there that were uh, haven't driven in the sand before. Yeah, and that was not that was like okay, you're going to have to learn pretty quick. Some, some of yeah. Fraser Martin's uh, trickery. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> the route was. I mean, it was a good route. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, in the shan, have you? Um, did you did you get out there? Were you going to get a chance? I could not make it down to uh, the uh, launch. Unfortunately, a day job keeps me pretty busy. I was busy uh, packing stuff <laughs> up to my neck in boxes. So sadly, I would rather have been out with Noel in the sand. I think you met some interesting people as well, didn't you? Yep, yep. There were some good journalists there from Australia, from Europe, all, all sorts. So, yeah, because yeah. it was the global launch. That's so, right. so uh, Mabrook, hats off to the guys from the regional office for, for hosting the regional launch of the global launch of a very important car. Mm. But of course, we're going to talk to Bruce Robertson about that and more in a, in a few moments. The regional director of Jaguar Land Rover. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, so I've been driving around this week in the uh, the new Maserati Gracali, which is, a, again, a very important car for them, heading Maserati, heading the first time into the medium SUV market, which is make or break for, for luxury car companies. Um, market leader, Porsche Macan, now they're trying to convince Audi Q3 and BMW X3 buyers to, to switch to Italian. Um, it's, it's a great name, isn't it? I mean, Gricale. I they always name yeah. them after wins, right? Yeah, exactly, so it's, yeah. a, it's a nice one. This one, the, the GT and the Modern, I've driven both of them. The, the two-litre turbocharged four-cylinder. They're going to add the 530 horsepower twin-turbo V6 Trofeo later on, and then eventually the full EV, the, the Fulgori EV. Uh, so to, even to that's got a good name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll come later on. Um, but for now, it's the two-litre four-cylinders. It, it, very interesting stuff. Um, Loads of interior space, 566 litres of, uh, of space. This looks bigger, though, than the... It, uh, I just saw it, actually, downstairs, and it looks it's bigger. It's surprising this uh, got presence on the yeah. road. As normally, you see these kind of Macans and Q5s and the like, yeah, and they all just sort of yeah. melt away in the car park. They're all fine cars. Yeah. But the Maserati has a bit of presence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and it does. It, it does. It does. Um, the interior is actually really, really interesting because it's... It, it no longer shares components with the with the Stellantis group, so you don't find Jeep graphics and and mm. and, and the Jeep Center, you know, infotainment system or the Chrysler system out of that. So they're bespo- it's a bespoke interior, twelve point three inch and an eight point eight inch high def screen in the center. Um, the transmission buttons and our buttons on the dash. Mm. Uh, the only gripe I've got is that it needs a volume control. It needs a it needs a knob, and not this not this. Mm. hands-on slidey stuff so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we'll come to that me. later i've got the same problem with another car but anyway yeah but but, uh, but overall yeah very nice um you know it, it's uh, the design 
Yeah, outward design, I'm not so convinced on yet. It's a little bit bland compared to previous Maseratis. Um, oh, I liked it. I thought it looked super muscular in the car park. Yeah. It's got real pre- like stances, yeah. uh, as Imchem was saying. Uh, yeah. But the 48-volt belt-driven mild hybrid system works nicely. What that does is it fills the turbo, it fills the gap that where turbo lag is. So it's not really about conserving fuel. It's about keeping that performance uh, power band of there. Of course not. It's Italian. Yeah. So, <laughs> so They fi- haven't got the electric thing quite right, have they? They're like, oh, we want to make it faster. Hang on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so 5.3 seconds, 100K for the Modena, 5.6 for the uh, for the GT that I've got downstairs, 240K top end. The Trofeo, though, 3.8 seconds from its 530 horsepower engine. Um, so, yeah, it provides a nice alternative with a bit of pizzazz to, to what I consider as a... F- Overall, generically a fairly bland sector of the market, the medium sized SUV. Mm. But very profitable. But it is the one that makes the money, isn't it? Most and, money. And without I would say. that, you're not going to have your MC20s and your fun stuff. Or 911s yeah. or anything else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it, we get a, a slightly skewed view of it because here the big stuff sells. Yeah. Whereas in places like Europe, it's that mid sec, that mid. Oh, yeah. Cayenne is a monster truck in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and very quickly, prices uh, 299000 for the GT, 369000 for the Modena. No idea yet on the, the big. The V8 will be, what, first quarter, I think? Uh, next year, then the EV after that. So uh, we'll wait and see. Mm. Uh, Excellent. Interesting. One. Um, the other thing I did during the week, uh, I went out, to, we had a look at Alpha Tame. Alpha Tame are bringing in the Chinese brand, BYD. Yep. Build your dreams. Uh, you don't say bird, you just say BYD. BYD, <laughs> as in the Michael Jackson song. Nice. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good link. Actually, like PYT for the correct. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Um, but uh, they've got a new. They've actually set up a new company. It's Alpha Time Electric Mobility Company mm-hmm. that's going to be working on other things as well. And they're also providing their own infrastructure. They're, they're providing um, their full own recharging network for electric vehicles. So I was speaking to Hassan Najis, the managing director of this new company, the Electric Mobility Company, the other night. Uh, they want to roll out thousands of EV charges across the city. And uh, at the launch event, yeah, Hassan told me um, when we'll be able to see these uh, BYD cars on Dubai roads. We will launch the cars, two cars, this summer. By the end of the year, four cars. Next year, it will be seven cars. And year three, it will be 10 cars for BYD. In only year three, we will be 10 cars covering entire segmentation from the small cars to the biggest cars and different SUVs and the hatchback. And so we will be covering to the entire pricing uh, segment as well. So that was the difference for BYD for us. When it's Siemens, again, we I think when we do our first tender for this product, we get 50 companies approached to us. So, but a lot of companies were trying to actually fight with the price, like a commodity product. But we said that no, it's not only price. You need to have the best product because it's at, th- at this time the, com- the, the, the customer will switch to new technology or not. So it's very important that we get the best quality uh, product. And this charger is, uh, has five-year warranty, only five-year warranty charger in the market. And it is all smart, so connected with the, the, with the data and, and so forth, all of them by standards. And also they come with our own installation. So Alpha Team Engineering will install with a free inspection to the customers. 3,000 yes. charges are going yes. out there. Yes. How are you going to roll that? And is that available to anyone who has an electric vehicle or is it for Alpha Time customers? No. If a customer has a, or will buy a competitor product, can go and then buy our charging and we are more than happy to deliver the exactly same customer experience 
like our own customers who purchase the car with us as well. Otherwise, we will never hit this 50%, 80%, this ambitious target. So for 3,000, I would like to go even more. So we would like to work with the fleet companies, the real estate businesses, malls, and also the retail customers to do that. You've got the mobility business, the new business. Obviously, we're talking about electric vehicles right now at BYD, but mobility is much more than that. We're going to much, much bigger things. Can you give us an idea of what else this company might be looking at after the electric vehicle? The first thing that we would like to offer is actually electric motorbike and scooter. We have already identified our partner for this. We will have the cars, we will have the mobility, but another thing, further looking into micro-mobility. The more the scooters that you are actually using, uh, even in blue waters and so it's about the mobility mix. We know that it's not only cars, it's not only motorbike, it's not a scooter, it is all. We have a full finance house, can immediately from day one and will provide subscription services, leasing services for this mobility mix. That was uh, Hassan Najas, the Managing Director of the Alpha Tame Electric Mobility Company, talking about their big new step into uh, electric mobility with uh, BYD and other things at Alpha Tame Automotive. But um, we're going to uh, talk about that and a whole lot more. Up next, uh, you've been asking us questions about whether we should get the Volkswagen's EV. We're going to talk about Volkswagen, talk about Intershan, what you've got downstairs, because we've all turned up in something a little bit different today. A whole lot more of that straight after this. This is Damien Red. You're listening to Motormania live on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, welcome back to Motormania. I'm Damien Reid, and uh, I've got uh, Intershan Jado and Noel Ebden in the studio. Now, we've all turned up in something uh, a little different today. I've just been talking about the Maserati. Um, Intershan, uh, I, I think you've gone down the SUV four-wheel drive path. Just, just, just a wild guess, right? I think I've become the four-wheel drive person <laughs> of the group. I guess I'm the one who gets sandy. Um, this week, sneak preview, I've got the Gladiator Sandrunner. Uh, we'll talk about that in an upcoming show. But for now, I'll talk about last week's car which was the Ford Bronco two-door wild track, which is basically proof that greed is good because essentially Ford saw the Wrangler's profits and said, okay, we need to have something similar. And here we go. We've got the Bronco wild track, which has been on sale for a couple of years now, but it's the first time I've driven the two-door variant, which is a little bit different, 270,000 dirhams, same uh, twin-turbo V6 engine, but it doesn't get the Sasquatch package. If you get the four-door, you get the Sasquatch. What is Sasquatch? Uh, locking diffs, uh, beadlock tires, and uh, front and rear... Oh, locking diffs, and then again. So let's get into the good bits, which there are a lot of good bits about that car. And to be honest, it's a very, very good attempt to take on a Wrangler and improve it. Steering, very good. Very, very good steering. Uh, compared to a Wrangler, it's night and day. Uh, the engine is really, really strong. I mean, for what it is, very, very quick car. Very, very comfortable. I drove to Abu Dhabi and back. This thing was as comfortable as a Land Cruiser. The seats are great. Driving position is great. The ride is good. You know, normally you get into a two-door car and it's super choppy and mm. small Wranglers are a little bit choppy on the highway. Not this one. This is It's a lot bigger, actually. It's a lot bigger car. And it has still sufficient room inside for your stuff. It's got a reasonable size boot. And if you fold the back seats down, you get tons of room. But actually, the back seats as well can get six-footers in there as well. So not bad. More good things. Uh, software. Package was great, 12.1-inch screen, excellent to use. It just felt like the future. It just feels like you're sitting in the future, all these screens looking at you, and they work <laughs> quite well. And for once, it's got a sand mode that I like. Like, okay. it's really well calibrated. I drove in the sand with the sand mode off, and it was a bit, okay, it's going to sink. It's gonna, I mean, the fully inflated tires, completely the wrong way to do it. I turned sand mode on, it was like magic. It just suddenly drove around like it was deflated. Downsides. 
uh gearbox still mm. the 10 speed not my favorite it's fine but the jeep's 8 speed is amazing yeah. there that's can't compare um the price 270,000 dirhams for 260 you can get a ranger raptor yeah. you can get the fastest ranger ever made granted that one's made in thailand this one's made in the us but and it's also more powerful so it doesn't quite make sense to me i would go for the four door bronco if you go that's almost 300,000 dirhams so he's not mm. getting it very pricey um equipment again the sasquatch package should be standard on the two door i don't know why it isn't uh, and finally but sadly interior quality um it's hard wearing it's kind of like an fj cruiser and it's not a knock on the four by any means but it's made for that rough and tumble it's like wetsuit material but it's not classy and it's not luxurious and this is weirdly where the wrangler and the gladiator have it licked a little bit because they've got really nice bits of leather and stitching everywhere and the bronco is just like yeah let's go out and get off road and dirty but it's not somewhere you take to a party you know other than that as somebody who's owned a wrangler and loved wranglers and modified wranglers i'd buy this Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Going straight now to the issue of Volkswagen. Now, uh, uh, one of the issues that's been a hot topic on on Motormania with Volkswagen has been the ID series of cars, the EVs, ID fours, threes, fives, and six, even sixes that have been coming in through the grey import market. Um, I caught up with uh, Victor Dalmau, the the uh, VW boss in the region, on Thursday. to talk about this because there has been a breakthrough it's been a controversial one um and as of this week the UAE's Ministry of Economy has announced a temporary ban on the import of Volkswagen electric vehicles through unapproved dealers it applies to the registration of VW electric cars manufactured in China at the country's licensing departments so, uh, all new Volkswagens sold in Dubai and the Northern Emirates must be processed through Al Nabuta and these vehicles must be built and tested to meet the UAE market requirements now Victor Dalmo sent me um um a a statement and uh, he said that uh, Volkswagen is aware that the UAE Ministry of Economy has released a ministerial resolution regarding the importing of Volkswagen electric vehicles into the UAE this ensures that moving forward all Volkswagens sold in the UAE are sold through official approved dealers and importantly are homologated to meet UAE market requirements we welcome this resolution at Volkswagen our priority here continues to be the safety of our customers we remain committed to ensuring Volkswagen drivers enjoy the driver of the vehicle the insurance that the vehicle is built and tested in this market to the highest standards of quality safety and always in line with local laws so that was from Victor Dalmau and and I guess the issue's been the fact that they're still certifying and still going through the process of making the cars certified so they can run in the region but it's been a long time now and so there have been grey market importers who've brought them in and they've sold there's been a lot of them around yeah. that are that are out there but and, and as we always said it with with Naz Chowdhury as well in the first half of the show that buyer beware if you want to get the car and it's the price go for it but just be aware you won't be able to get it serviced you won't get worried through 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 the official Volkswagen outlets you won't get the the warranty if you can find people who can do that that's your call but now it's been handed down officially from the UAE ministry um of economy that uh, no more IDs will be bought unless they're bought through Alnabuda automobiles Yeah, I look, they've been caught out, haven't they? Uh, Volkswagen have basically not been able to supply uh, a market that demands a car and the customer is always right. And I really don't like this route that now, I mean, the fact that they're aware, sorry, but mm. yeah, obviously they've been working behind the scenes with the government on this. Um the fact that one brand has now got has managed to control car registrations at government level, that's that's a worrying trend where does that stop i mean well, where does that end because this market it's it's a monopoly anyway isn't it you don't have competing 
dealers yep. of, of yep. brands. So you, you can't just buy a Ford here and go down the road and compare the price to the other Ford dealer. Mm. It is one. Uh, so, yep. um, so you know, that's uh, it's a different kind of market in that regard. And I, I understand where they're coming from in, insofar as that they're still doing hot weather testing and they're still doing various things with, with the cars. So... You know. but they're in other hot markets already. I mean, so yeah, but do they break down? I don't know. Wow, well, you know, <laughs> I think I, it's a question that VW really has to answer, isn't it? That hot weather testing element is the excuse slash reason they're going to provide to us, mm. and I think there will be adjustments. But mm. this is something that's not new. Everybody's doing hot weather testing for the last few years, and yeah. Land Rover in particular has really improved the brand based on what feedback they've got from this market. So just go pop over to JLR and ask them how they've done it. Yeah. However, I think it's really interesting, as Noel says, the route they're taking. I think my takeaway is. VW had a car at a price that people were prepared to pay for it. Yeah. And that's ultimately what car sales is all about, right? You're putting a car out there that the price people are willing to pay. Sometimes it's more than they want, sometimes less than they want. But clearly they were flying out the door, these grey market cars. So if VW can bring the car at that price, they'll sell just as well. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. But if it becomes a car that's a 200,000 dirham car, you're right in there with all the other, the Polestars yeah. and all the other Tesla Model 3s. How are you going to stand out? VW stood out because they were cheaper than everybody else. Were they better? Well, we never tested the car. Yeah. But I do think that there's an opportunity here if they just listen to the market. So, Noel, very quickly, based on that, you've just been driving the new Golf GTI and the new Golf R. Yeah. Um, it's like being a teenager Tell again. me about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going back in time. Um, look, you know, the, everyone loves the Golf GTI. It's, um, it's an icon, isn't it? And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's still... A really, really good car. Uh, we're even as up to date as it is now. You know, it had nothing's changed. It's still this sort of crazy, you know, front wheel drive, proper hot hatch. You know, and uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. But then I, I went back to back with the R. Yes, yeah. I tell, I mean, uh, you know, I something I've not done. So I'm curious to see your thoughts on that. So yeah, I mean, I loved the GTI until I drove the R. And then I loved the R more. I mean, look, come on, it's got look, it's four wheel drive. It's got because uh, is it that chalk and cheese? Because on paper, very similar. Yes, four cylinder turbocharged, two liter. You know. Yeah, but it, I mean, the way the power's delivered in the R, and also mm. the look of it as well. Uh, it's it's a very cool looking car. It's got that big wing on the back yeah. uh, hatch, and it's got I've, the, I've driven them individually, but not together. So I'm, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, uh, th- there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with the GTI. It's a lovely yeah. car, um, and at this price point that it's at, I would say that that's a really good purchase for somebody and especially for getting around Dubai as well with the you know especially with the traffic as it is at the moment so it's a fantastic car but if you've got the extra cash um I would uh, I would go but you're looking at quite a lot quite an up How much cash are we talking by the way Oh an extra 50,000 dirhams So what's the GTI price Uh you're looking at around one it's 142 uh for the uh, for one of the models 163 mm-hmm. and then starting price of the R's at 207 approximately Oh so R's yeah. going to be right in there with Civic type R other R yes very interesting That's group test that'll be someday and the uh, I mean looks great um, drives fantastic uh, brilliant gearbox um, the only thing I didn't like was the um, the controls inside I've um, driven that uh, as well yeah. which I believe Volkswagen's yeah. fixing I mean, uh, for the future models well they need to because yeah. uh, you know it's, no volume not bright oh, trying to adjust <laughs> the stereo in it I mean you need a degree in astrophysics try turning traction control off it took yep. me the but, autodrome's yeah. finest safety guys to work out how to do that it was incredible <laughs> but, but, but yeah I would, I would definitely buy an R if, yeah. uh, if, you've got the, if you've got the cash buy the R I tell you what, one company that has addressed that and they've and they've altered it with the new range is Jaguar Land Rover. Um, so, so uh, if you are nice in the market, segue. The, I like the, that. Yeah, yeah and, and I enjoyed it. I really did. Uh, I've just been. I was driving the Range Rover last week, and I'd, I noticed it straight up. I thought fantastic. But the big news this week, of course, the new Defender global launch in the region. 
uh, for the for the one thirty. So um, uh, our next guest won't be taking your orders, but he's going to take your questions if you do have any questions coming in. Bruce Robertson, the regional boss of uh, Jaguar Land Rover in the region. Uh, welcome to Motormania. Great, Damien. Thanks. It's good to be here again. Now it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantastic. You've you've been incredibly busy the last uh, the last ten days or so out in the desert with the one thirty Defender. Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. I think for for for, for the region as a whole, you know, for us to bring a global launch you know to to the middle east of one of our uh, one of our prime vehicles you know just says one our commitment and two the cars just made for the region and three the region now can support these sorts of events you know global media yeah um, it's a big thing you know for a manufacturer to bring them out demonstrate our products demonstrate our future um, in in a market like this so fantastic for the region fantastic for the country mm. um, and great for us as a brand i, I think yeah. it was the right place to launch it as well Oh, fantastic! Uh, for, for the one thirty, yeah. really disappointed yeah. I couldn't get there. My, if, if as I said before, the top of the show, if you heard my voice two weeks ago, you'd understand. There's no way I was going to go into the desert on, on a night or anything like that. So, <laughs> Noel Ebden represented Motormania for us and, uh, and and sampled the car. Um, but it, Bruce, I mean, it's it's. I have to say, overall, since 2020, it's been a fairly tough time for for every manufacturer in the region. Um, but JLR, more particularly Land Rover, has has come out swinging with a, with a, a brace of, of new models. We're talking about kicking off with the Defender, the new Range Rover, the Range Rover Sport. Now is just starting to come through. Now the Defender won thirty times. Um, pretty exciting times, you'd have to admit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, most probably the best the best time I've seen since I've been with the company. I've been with the company twenty eight years, so <laughs> I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, I think I think we're very fortunate. Um, our products at the moment, our product life cycle, life cycle is fantastic. Um, so we're hitting the the, the right spots. Um, the cars are, are very functional. They're very good, um, you know. And yeah, it's just been it's been a fantastic period of time. You know, reimagining you can imagine reimagining an icon like the the Defender takes some doing. Um, and we actually took the car off sale for a number of years um, after the old Defender finished, um, the old three one six shape we used to call it. Um, and uh, we were we we were right to do that because we didn't have it one hundred percent correct. And uh, now we've launched that vehicle, and globally, it's fin- the success has been phenomenal. Uh, frustratingly so for many customers, well, and I'm sure you're going to come on to that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, it's right up here now. How do you – because we're now just starting to see Range Rovers appearing in the street. We're talking with Naz in the first hour about how, you know, nothing, and now they're here. Um, now seeing Range Rover Sports, a, few, a first few is starting to trickle through now. How do you communicate to your customers that, that it looks like you've gone from, like, a please-wait approach to – we have all these new models. I, I don't think it's a, it's a please wait approach. I, I think it's more a case of an evolution uh, in, in terms of product, in, in terms of uh, vehicles coming to market. All the manufacturers obviously coming to, to, to market with, with new vehicles. I think key for, for us as a brand is to retain the relationship with our customers. Um, you know, there are a lot of brands trying to do the same thing. It's a very competitive marketplace, but we need to be specific in terms of what we're offering, the products that, that we're offering, and why why there's a reason to purchase. And it go, goes beyond just driving a Defender, a Range Rover, a Range Rover Sport. It's the lifestyle and, 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 and the, the existence of that brand and the relevance to the people um, as they purchase the vehicles. So it's, mm. it's, it's been... It's, it, there is unprecedented demand. I don't think it's unique to Jaguar Land Rover. Let's be quite no, frank no, about no, it. No, 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 definitely um, not, definitely not. So I'm always pretty balanced in my approach to these things, but we're very, very happy with the success of the vehicle. And I have to say, you know, we have a long lineage both on Jaguar and Land Rover in the region. And um, the new Defender just reinforced that, and Range Rover has been a phenomenal success for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now that we're, we're kind of got our – everyone 
collectively has got their feet back on the ground and we're doing business again post-COVID, post-hopefully supply chain issues. Um, what changes have had to be made now to, at a regional level to, to keep your head above water and get through, the, through that, uh, that, that period? Well, I think, uh, I think there's been a... a in, in, in terms of the industry, the industry has realised that, that we, have to react, we have to react faster. Um, you, you look at the speed at which uh, the Chinese operate, um, you, you know, the speed with which they bring vehicles to market, and we've had to become more efficient in terms of what we do. So we've had to re-engineer vehicles very quickly, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later about the semiconductor issues and, and, and the challenges there. And, and in re-engineering, you look at different processes, you look at different uh, you, you know, products, different segments of the market um, that you're going to compete in. What has it meant in terms of the operations? Um, we've managed to maintain our position in terms of headcount here in the region, so it's been pretty good for us. For our importers, I would have to say business has been very good. So it's actually allowed a level of growth um, where there had been a cutback in 2020 for many of them because obviously the volumes weren't there. Um, the, the, the increase in volume now through the service side of the business, the finance side of the business has effectively led to, to employment opportunities. So it's a very, very positive story for the region. And, and I'm very optimistic for, for, for the coming two years. Uh, still in conversation with Bruce, talking about all things Jaguar Land Rover in the region. Uh, Bruce, we're just about to head into the holy month of Ramadan. Now, the car industry is is traditionally the leaders in terms of the, the great Ramadan deals, but I get the feeling things that might be a, a little bit different this year. Is is it is it is it the way we're seen traditionally, or, or where where do you think things might be going now as we we're, uh, we're we're emerging from the the last two or three years of hardness? No, I think I think we need to set expectations. You know, um, I think traditionally the Middle East has always had a, a celebratory um, offer in terms of product through many of the manufacturers, whether it's ourselves, whether it's our, our competitors. Um, it's the good old case of supply and demand uh, mm. much of the time. And quite candidly, supply in the industry is limited at the moment um, and demand is very high. I think what you will see this is a limited number of offers. I don't believe they're going to be as generous as they've been in the past. Um, there will be offers out in the marketplace um, and they might not necessarily be cash, cash offers. They may be extension offers. They may be whatever. Um, but I don't think we should expect very generous, uh, very generous Ramadan offers. I think what you, you may expect is a better level of engagement from the importers, um, just generally talking to customers, working with them, and setting expectations as to realistically when they can get a vehicle. Mm. You know, there will be those that, 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 have, um, that have stock available and you'll be able to walk in and buy it and gift it. But I would say the majority of the segment in which we compete, that won't be the case. Um, so without saying customers are going to be disappointed during Ramadan, I think people need to manage the expectations. Well, the importers need to manage the expectations of the realism of a delivering a product tomorrow. Mm, yeah, for sure. Uh, now, turning to, to Jaguar at, at, at the moment, Jaguar is transitioning from, uh, from, from, from being a manufacturer of large luxury saloons to more contemporary styles of SUV styles and EVs as well. Um, given the provenance of, of Jaguar and, and people's uh, preconceptions of, of Jaguar, um, to, to step into this, this new world of change compared to, say, uh, you know, more contemporary, more modern cars, is that, is that a bit of a challenge or is that just something that, that you feel is, is, is just coming naturally? I think it comes naturally. Um, it's, it's evolution uh, and to a degree revolution. Revolution to, in terms of drivetrain for us. So we've announced publicly that by 2025 we will be a complete electric brand on Jaguar. 
Um, that means every single one of our products will be completely electric and the future of, of Jaguar is very definitely electric. The design of the product will, will be futuristic. Um, it will be relevant to the market in which it competes. Now, you would have to say that a person buying potentially a, a Jaguar um, top-end electric vehicle in three years' time is very different to a customer buying a mass-market electric vehicle, the ones of which you were mentioning earlier. You know, so mm. the design cues, how they look at the vehicles, what they're looking for in the vehicles is very, very different. Obviously, the price points are significantly different. Um, but I think for us, you know, we've transitioned for the last 90 years, 80 years, whatever the amount is. Um, and, and the motor industry transitions well. Um, we are futuring already 10, 15, 20 years in terms of what customers are looking for, what the modes of transportation are, the different types of ownership, the designs, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not concerned about that. Um, I think the bigger debate is around how we as consumers take electricity and take electric vehicles forward, you know, particularly in this region. We were just having a, sh yeah. a, a discussion of, you know, around this. And it, um, it's going to be a challenge in the future. There's no doubting that. Yeah, um, and sorry, what's your take on, on the, the take-up in terms of, you know, you, you've been out in the field in terms of people's acceptability of, of electric vehicles in the region? I, I think, for me, electric isn't the be-all and end-all in this region at the moment. I think mm. PHEV is, 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 is a better way of going. So you get that yeah. hybrid um, pet petrol mix where many people here still have this misconception that an electric vehicle doesn't have the power, doesn't have the ability. That isn't the case. Um, there are certain properties of dynamics, and we all know what they are in, in, in terms of the vehicles. When I go around the region, there is a lot of talk. There is a lot of interest. But when it actually comes down to putting in the infrastructure, supporting the environment in which these cars have to operate, the discussions some, sometimes are very, very different. Mm. If I look at my colleagues in Europe, um, Europe is a totally different situation. They still don't have it 100% right. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of debate in the UK around is there enough power generation for the vehicles? Are there enough charging points? Yeah. You know, by 2030, is the government going to be in a position? I think I saw last week in, 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 in the media that the German government are looking to push back the legislation of 2030 to 2035. Yeah. And that's primarily because I don't think one of the manufacturers are 100% ready, but the infrastructure doesn't necessarily support the environment in which those cars are going to be operating. It's a really interesting point because I think that's that's something that has been discussed for a while about the pushback and also development of, of other th technologies that are coming through. You know, sustainable synthetic fuels, for instance, that can that can power combustion engines for for zero emission, or that so they're claiming. So you know, it's a, it's a moving target. I, I understand, um, but um, let's go back to let's go back to the start, Bruce. We've spent a lot of time at car launches and <laughs> travelling around and airport lounges, and we've had some great conversations about about all sorts of things. What got you into the car game? What, 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 was it, what was the thing that made Bruce Robinson go, I'm going to have my future in the car industry? Um, well, as a, as, as, a, as a kid growing up in South Africa, I tell you, it was in 1976, I went to Grand Prix. Oh, really? And, uh, oh. My, my, my father used to drag me along. And in so those you were a Jody Schechter fan? Oh, yes, I was. I was. <laughs> in, in those days, we were forced to sleep on the side of the racetrack because it was too far to get from the house back to the racetrack the next day. You know, so you take your tent and you sleep on the side of the track. You can't do that anymore. Um, this is uh, Kyalami? Yeah, it was yeah, Kyalami. What a fantastic yeah, track. A fantastic track. Um, and then basically just generate a love for vehicles. School, I was always the, the, the kid that was interested in cars. And then when I left university, my, my, my father said to me, he said, right, he said, the big world's yours now. 
you've got to go and do something. So I wrote, uh, I wrote to all the manufacturers in South Africa, said to them, I'd love to come and work for you, as you do. Yep. You know, I think I had about five rejections and three acceptances <laughs> come and talk to us, and then got two job offers at the end of the day, and the rest is history. Um, but I will say this. Um, it's a fantastic environment. I started on the track, so I built cars, yep. um, as everyone does. I sold cars, so I know what it's like to earn a, earn a living through selling vehicles, and, and, and you just make a career out of it. I've been very fortunate. Absolutely. Can I ask you, what was your first car? This is a bit of a, a, a difficult one to answer on here because it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> like embarrassing. I'll, I'll, I'll Let's linger you. on I, this I, as long I, as possible. I'll tell you mine. That's I, okay. I, I didn't own my first car until six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so having been in the industry, you know, we, we were in the very fortunate position of we're Take able a risk. to. I've not owned a car for the past five years well, as there a daily we go. runner. So, so. <laughs> so to answer your question, yes, I went out and I spoiled myself. I bought a sports car. Um, I've subsequently sold that sports car. And at the moment, I have a Defender Series uh, Series 3 88 uh, inch wheelbase nice. that uh, that I own, yeah, and that I rebuilt. You can't can you, complain can, about that. Can you mention the sports car, or is it clearly not JLR? Uh, no, no, it's definitely not JLR, and I'll be quite open <laughs> and honest about that. It was a 430. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> I've been nice. having a discussion earlier, but that's, yeah. that, you know, is just by the by and a little bit of fun. Yeah, well, yeah. what was your first car, Noel? Uh, a Vauxhall, i.e. Opal, to anyone who's not from the UK, uh, Astra. Oh, okay. Mark one. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll yeah. forgive you for I used that. To sell yeah. Those. <laughs> yeah. I I put wide wheels on it and bonnet pins because I thought that would look cool. And it's, it's so like embarrassing now. Yeah. Did, I don't know what I was did, thinking. Did, did you drop the suspension? Uh, no, but I put wide wheels on it that were wider than the arches, and I used to get pulled over all the time by the police saying you've got to change those. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. And they say yes, and then they pull me over again. You know what? Yeah. I can see it just to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there's no racing stripes allowed in the UK, is there? Yeah. No, you can't do much yeah. now. In yeah. the shambles, your first car. First car I bought my own money. Uh, NC Mazda MX-5. Oh, Ooh, okay. okay. Ooh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I had my midlife crisis at 27. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Mine at 45. <laughs> <Yes>. Same, same. <laughs> Mine's around the corner. <laughs> uh, Bruce, if there's – okay, I'm gonna, uh, I, I won't put you in the corner. I won't, won't, won't put you on the spot. But I'll ask you, leave the, leave the JLR hat off just for the moment. Mm-hmm. If there is one car out there, new, new, classic, race car, anything that you would love to have in the garage, any vehicle over any period of time, what would that be? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna throw this back at you and say actually I have a garage of six cars is is the way I'd like to play this to you because I think it'll open up a little bit of discussion. Right. Uh, my first car would be obviously a Defender Series one. First, I mean that that, that goes without saying. Yep. I'd definitely be looking at a, a Aston Martin a D, DB5, mm. um, a Mercedes Gullwing SL300. Oh yes, yes. You know. Um, uh, what else would I be? Uh, the, the Porsche, um, the the nine one eight, the the Spider, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the the last two cars would obviously be um, uh, a Defender. Yeah. And a, a Range Rover. So that would be my garage. That's a good you know? garage. And, I'd go. I'd go live in that garage. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. And I'll tell yeah. you the race car that I would put in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm passionate about motorsport. Um, would be the Rothmans Jaguar. Where they won oh. one, two, three, the 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 XJ or uh, the XJ six or XJ uh, XJ nine, yeah. I think it was. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, those Rothmans that would sit in my garage just as a, something to look at every day. Oof. Sensational! I can't argue with that at all. That's no. a good answer, isn't it? <laughs> it's yes. also a buffet answer. We asked yeah. for one car. Yeah. <laughs> would be my Range Rover. So, if you weren't the boss of Jaguar Land Rover right now, what 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 job would you? And I'm I'm not putting this out there on LinkedIn, but, no. <laughs> but I'm just saying that. Where would you would it be tinkering in a in a in a race shed somewhere or? Uh? No, I think. Um, well, well, let me 
let me start by saying that for, for 28 years, I loved going to work every single day of my life. Um, and, you know, the motor industry affords us that opportunity. We're very lucky. I've never had a day where I, I, I don't love what I do. I'm passionate about it. To answer your question, where would I be? I wouldn't mind hitting up a motorsport team, yep. you know, but a proper motorsport team. I, I, watch, I watch Drive to Survive and I look at the way Christian Horner and Toto behave and <laughs> I'm kind of going, I could do that job. <laughs> I think we all do fun. that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have no desire to be the CEO of a major motor company. I'm quite happy where I am. Very, very, uh, very happy. Yeah. What, what, what's the dream job, guys? Nim Shan, what's… Or Pass. Swing out and all come back to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on the hop. Oof. I don't know. If, if it wasn't cars. If it oh, was, well, no, no, sorry, sorry. If it wasn't, if it wasn't what we're doing now, playing with cars. Well, I do, as you know, I do about three hundred things anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably, it's not uh, easy, is it? No, it's not. I tell you what, I thought of mine. Uh, it's very, very me. Um, I'd be an off-road guide. I'd love to be in the wilderness, taking people in the outdoors in a car, yeah. not on a horse. Thank you very much. In yeah. a car. Ooh, if I was amazing. doing something outside the industry, I'd be sailing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. There we go. Can't um, swim, so I won't. Can't, I'll join you. <laughs> you don't need distance. to swim. Yeah. <laughs> so, so oh, Bruce, that's what the boat's for, him to show. <laughs> oh, so Bruce, oh, it'll happen. <laughs> Bruce, very quickly, we've got to, we've got to wrap this up. Um, the uh, the the issues of the last couple of years. Are we are we seeing are we seeing blue skies ahead of us in terms of the uh, the, the, the sail industry scene? With, with the new car market right now? Yeah, I, th- I think we are. Um, y- you know, it's taken a while for the industry to adapt. Um, it's taken a while for the guys to re-engineer product, um, y- you know, so that there's less of a reliance in terms of the semiconductors. So a lot of vehicles now are being engineered with far fewer semiconductors in them. Um, th- there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, y- you know, it's not only about semiconductors. Supply chain generally, globally, have been under tremendous pressure, uh, and they will continue to be so. Um, do, do I think we're going to be back to a free supply situation in the next six months? No, I don't. Um, I think uh, there will be continued pressures on supply industry, uh, on, on the supply um, of components across the industry, most probably for the next year and, and a little bit beyond. I don't think it will be as extreme as it's been, um, but it will continue to be tight. There's no doubting that. And if the economic environment remains as strong as it is um, and things don't go, don't go belly up, um, I foresee that that will not ease up very, very quickly. Um, obviously, if supply eases up, then, then the ball game changes. Yeah, for sure. Look, Bruce Robertson, um, Regional Director for Jaguar Land Rover in the Middle East, uh, thank you so much. We've been trying to uh, get our, our calendars to align for a long time now yep. right, to, to make this happen. I'm so glad you came in. You're more than welcome anytime you want to come into the studio and we can uh, continue the conversation. Uh, thanks for joining us. This is Motormania with Damien Reed On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. This is how it works. It's very, very easy. Just give us as many details as you can. The make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, any history, anything you know about it, whether the engine's been changed, the mileage has changed, whatever. Tell us. Private import, dealer import, all of that matters. Send it to 4001 or via the ARN Play app because it's not just me doing it, of course. It's uh, it's it's the automotive entrepreneur, the expert, and knows everything about Retain values and resale values and all sorts of that kind of stuff. Naz Chowdhury. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Very well, thank you. And yourself? Good to be back. Very well, mate. You've noticed my voice is uh, back on track now. <laughs> and I'm starting to lose mine, so I think you passed it on to me. <laughs> hang, hang in there. Um, now, I've got to ask you about the, your uh, your H1 Hummer that you've uh, you, you've recently took. How, how are things? Honestly, absolutely amazing. It's just that feeling of, you know, something really different. 
and uh, it's got some really cool quirks and features. I mean, for me, one of the favorite things is the uh, CTIS. So this is a button on the dashboard where you can actually deflate and reinflate the tires. So I'm oh, just yes, bored and yes. I just like deflate the tires, yeah. inflate the tires, deflate the tires, which is very cool. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I, yeah, because that was a, yeah, a car. It's, just, it's a cult status car. And, and I think the H1 is, uh, you don't, you used to see them a few years ago, but. They've petered away. So anyone who's got one now, it's a real big thing, isn't it? Many people have exported them. So there's mm. not many around, and there's a big difference between the civilian ones and the military ones. You can actually get ex-military ones fairly cheap off the uh, you know military surplus websites and things like that. But what's really become desirable now are the, the, um, the civilian ones, which yeah. have leather, air conditioning, and very, very basic amenities. And, and they're the ones that are really starting to hold value, especially after 96, 97, when they had the 6.5 turbo diesel. They're yeah. the ones to hold on to now. Now, people may be surprised to know this, but they're incredibly short. They're wide, they're big, but they're shorter wheelbase than, than a lot of other large SUVs around. It's this this phenomenon that people think it's a massive car. It's a massively wide car, but so, it's actually shorter, I think, than, than... So the wheelbase is really short. It's wide because it was made to fit in the same tracks, uh, same tracks as the Abrams tank. So as yes. the tank goes along, it fills in its lines, right? Yeah. So, but it has to be short so it can get over the peaks and troughs yeah. of all the off-road stuff. And it has a, a, a tack angle of like, I think, 80 degrees. So you can literally just drive up, <laughs> drive a, wall. up a brick wall. Um, yeah. So there's no front bumpers or anything. So the first thing that touches anything is the front wheels. It's incredible the way it's been designed. Amazing stuff. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, look, we're going to go straight to the lines, and we've got uh, we've got Emma on the phone. Emma uh, wants to replace her Nissan Armada. Good morning, Emma. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. Thank, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being first cab off the rank. Uh, <laughs> now you've got a you've got a particular inquiry about a, 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 a vehicle replacement for your Armada. Tell us about it. Yes, I have. Um, so we used to have a Nissan Armada, which was fantastic. It was a very large truck. It kept us safe. Uh, when someone crashed into the back of us. Um, I have two young children, um, and I'm a single mom. So my children are seven and eight, and my son is a child of determination. He's very special. He's called Sam. Okay. And he has a rare genetic condition called Angelman syndrome, which means he doesn't speak, and he has cognitive impairment and developmental delays, but he also doesn't understand instructions. Um, so, for example, you can't say, keep your hands inside the 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 car or don't touch this or don't touch that he doesn't understand any of that so he will grab anything he can see in a car absolutely anything if he can get his hands on it even when he's sitting in his car seat he will grab for it um so we're looking to replace the armada with something that is suitable for his needs and also something that really fits his very large long wheelbase wheelchair um he has this uh, incredible wheelchair. It's very cozy. It's very comfortable, um, but it's very long. It's not your typical sort of chair size wheelchair. Um, and it needs to be big enough. The boot needs to be big enough for that to go in and out really easily. Um, we need a seven or eight seater because my daughter has friends that sometimes join us. Um, and it needs to be zero down payment and monthly repayments. Um, of about two to two and a half thousand. Um, mm-hmm. I've been looking around a little bit, and I also have a question about safety. Some people have suggested the Honda Odyssey, oh. um, but that's quite low to the ground. In terms of safety, if anything happens on the roads here, is it better to actually aim for a larger, you know, taller um, <clears throat> SUV than um, something that's much closer to the ground? Can, can I ask you first, with with the Amada that you've got, have have there been any modifications made to it to, to suit your needs, or you've managed to work your way around the, the standard fitting of the Amada? No, 
It's a perfectly normal standard fitting. It's just that the boot is very big. Uh, it's very, you know, it's a very huge um, space. So we can easily lift the wheelchair up into it and get it back out again really easily without having to worry about whether it's going to scratch the edges of the boot or whether it's, you know, needs to be put in really carefully um, because we don't often have time for that. You yeah. know, we need to get it out quickly or we need to put it back in sure. um, because he, if he's sitting in the car waiting for us, um, you know, we can't be... Um, wondering how we're going to get the wheelchair in um, yeah. and spending time at the back when he's sitting in the car, potentially causing all sorts of mischief. <laughs> For sure. sure. Um, Naz, um, so, over to you. Yeah, sure. So very quickly, I'm just going to address the first point, which is uh, the financial aspect, because once you work out your affordability, then you can go ahead and you know buy something based on the okay. budget. You know, 0% down payment with around 2000 Two and two and a half thousand dirhams a month. Uh, today's slightly heightened interest rates of around three point six to three point eight, depending on which bank you speak to in your credit rating, will afford you a car of around hundred and hundred to hundred and twenty thousand dirhams. So that's the budget. Now, do bear in mind that okay. if you do go for a zero percent down payment, what's really happening is they're overvaluing the car. Um, so, mm-hmm. so just bear in mind that you know the first 12, 18 months of driving, you may be negative equity. So just have 10, 20,000 parked away just mm-hmm. in case you need to get out of the car. But over the five years, obviously, it will start, you'll start having some you know, asset appreciation in there. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. terms of the car itself, honestly, halfway through you speaking, I was just going to say Honda Odyssey. And the reason I say that, and the reason I say that, there's a specific reason. Well, a few, actually. The first one is the boot is very large and you can always fold the seat down so you can get a large wheelchair in the back. But more importantly, it has a sliding door, um, which is yeah, really, yeah. really useful. And third of all, it's actually really low to the ground. And that I'll address your fourth point regarding the, the safety. But because it's low to the ground, it's easy to get the wheelchair in and out. It's really easy for Sam to jump in and out as well. And because he's sat mm-hmm. further back, the door handles far away. So like the Honda Odyssey really, like mm-hmm. for me, takes all the boxes. In terms of safety, in my opinion, you know, anything less than five, six years old, there or thereabouts, they're pretty safe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you'd okay. think that, okay, if I'm in a big bulky four by four, I may be a bit safer. Yes, if you're like on the edge of like a huge multi-collision, you know, 120, 30, okay. 40 kilometer an hour accident, maybe that will have like a little bit of a, a little bit of help. But generally speaking, for your school runs, for your car four runs, for your mall runs, I'd say Honda Odyssey is perfectly safe. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with you, Naz, on that one. Uh, Emma, I think I don't think you need to concern yourself about safety when it comes to Honda products, and I'll say that yeah, in, in all sincerity. That's true. Um, they, they do make a very good car. And also, the Honda Odyssey has to pass the same passenger car test as uh, a Mercedes S-Class or a BMW 7 mm. Series. They have to go through the, the same crash structure uh, uh, treatment, and uh, they go through this, the, the same uh, issues as that. In terms of whether it's safer or not because it's higher or lower, if you're looking at uh, at, at SUVs that are that are you know five, six, seven, or eight years old, uh, some of them didn't go through the same crash structure process because they were classed mm-hmm. as commercial vehicles. So therefore, they didn't have to go through the passenger car uh, impact tests. So honestly, I I I wouldn't consider the ride height to determine whether a car is safe or not. In, in fact, in some cases, the higher the car is. 
it's not as safe because it, then you know you have you have center, of, center of balance yeah, exactly. issues and rollovers <laughs> yeah. with old yeah. ones. So yeah. honestly, I, I don't think safety is a concern when it comes to to the Honda Odyssey. And I was with Naz; we we talked off air just very briefly before this, and said so that's that's the car I'd be looking at for similar reasons. It's very comfortable. It's a great long distance cruiser if you if you need to take it somewhere. It drives like a car, mm-hmm. but you do have that sliding door system as well, and you have a mm-hmm. lot of space inside. Mm. The only, the one thing I was considering about the sliding door is what is the actual safety feature uh, for that specifically? Um, because he might have a tendency to put his little fingers um, off into the side as the door is closing. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, I, so there is, the, the first thing which came to my attention is uh, what if he opens the door handle while driving? And that's mm-hmm. quite safe because you can always put the safety lock on the inside. Mm-hmm. Regarding mm-hmm. Regarding that, in all honesty, I think regardless of what car you have, there's always going to be that risk whether the door slides or slams, right? It's just making sure that his hands are not in the mechanism as the door is closing. Um, mm. I don't really have an answer for that. I think also, too, with... with, with <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> um, we do our best. But <laughs> I think also with with the later model Odysseys, I'm not sure they might have like an electric close mechanism as well so that that way that he can't open the door should once you're on the move. Um, it, it, you know, you control when the door is open and closed. Uh, so you mm-hmm. know, you've, you've got that peace of mind. But yeah, in terms of getting fingers jammed in the door, I guess you've got that same risk, whether it's a swinging door or a sliding door, if, mm-hmm. if they decide to put their, their, their little fingers in it as you close mm-hmm. a, a, a normally hinged door, you're going to have the same consequences. So uh, yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a particular issue, I understand. Yeah, we can have a workaround, I guess. You know that if you if I can close the door from the while I'm in the seat as well, I could be holding his hand, yeah. you know, and then shut the door. Well, I mean that that is an option. Actually, that's another yeah. that's another point because of the Honda Odyssey, depending on the seat configuration, you have a what they call a walkthrough. So you can actually sit next to you, next to your child uh, whilst the door's closed, and then you walk between the front seats to get into the car if, if we don't have that centre console. So you know that yeah. that that is a an opportunity. Okay. Um, that uh, if you get that right now, I don't know what how many of those specs are here. I'd say it'd be very, very small because so everyone just, likes to uh, I just console. had a quick look on Dubizzle and there are two, three available. But like I think you already mentioned this, just make sure you look for a GCC spec car yeah, because um, there yeah. are a lot of American imports out there. And now that Ramadan's coming up, expect a lot of these dealerships and showrooms. It's it's really a good time of year to buy a used car. In fact, the best over the next, four or five, uh, next uh, week or two. Yeah, um, It's going to be very oh, competitive between okay. the used car dealers uh, ask for Ramadan offers, you know, I want one year's free insurance, mm-hmm. registration, yeah. whatever it mm-hmm. may be. Yeah. Emma, I hope that's, uh, that, that's giving that's you some, some clues anyway. Yes, thank you very much. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for your help. All, All the, the best. best and, if, and if you thank do you. purchase something, do let, it, let us know how you went and what you went with. Okay. Okay. All right. I will do. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks very much, Emma. And, uh, yeah, if you've got any questions at all, Try to stump us. That one, that one went close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do, do get in touch uh, with us uh, via the ARM Play app or uh, or on four double zero one. Yeah, Naz, that that uh, that's an interesting. That you know, we get some interesting calls, don't we? You know, it it's also put puts me in a position of responsibility, right? That's a fairly fairly big commitment for somebody, you know, single mother, yeah, with a child and things like that. So I really had to put my thinking hat on to make sure we give the right advice. You know, yeah. <laughs> fix it. 
or flip it. So do get in touch with us. Tell us your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. It's easy. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send it to 4001 or via the ARM Play app. And uh, Naz Chowdhury and I will do our best to answer your calls. We certainly had uh, had to put our thinking caps on the last time around, but I think we came up with a with a reasonable solution there, Naz, and I hope uh, Emma takes that on, on board. But let's go, Naz, straight. I've got, um, I've got uh, a text message here. Gordon has um, two cars that he's looking at. One, mm-hmm. he's looking to sell a Range Rover HSC 2019 with um, 76,000 kilometres. Uh, and the other one, he's obviously a JLR fan. So, um, Gordon, if you are listening, stick around for the second hour because we're going to be talking to Bruce Robertson, who might be able to help you out as well, the uh, the regional director of Jaguar Land Rover. The other car he's uh, looking to sell is a Jaguar F-Type R Dynamic 2018 with 28,000 kilometres. The F-Type R Dynamic, I, man, that is a sleeper. I really, it really, really is, like that it? car. Yeah, I mean... In that competitive market for these, you know, two-door convertibles, we've got 911 turbos, arguably even a Ferrari California. I mean, to slide in there yeah. and perform really well, it's incredible. And it sounds fantastic, it? that uh, the V8. What comes after fantastic? <laughs> it just really, especially when you put it on the, it's a dynamic one, I forgot. Yeah, what, so what, I, what did Jaguar call it? This little the, racing flag, checkered flag. Yeah, that that's comes right, that's right. Open the pipes up. Exactly, it's incredible. <laughs> just, just warn the neighbours the night before <laughs> exactly. when your cold starts. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts? Range Rover Sport HSC 2019, 76,000 kilometres. Yeah. Um, so it's a tough one, really, because as the new one just came out and you start That's seeing right. them on the road, these yeah. things did take a dip. You know, I would have said, you know, mid mid to late threes not so long ago, but now I would have said more late twos, 275, 300, somewhere there. It all depends on whether it's the you know, HSCs generally, like, the model range. I mean, you have the autobiographies and the really luxury ones, but it also depends on spec. So if it is a really good spec, then it can go up to 300, I'd say. Yeah. Unfortunately for, for owners of the previous spec, as you say, um, it's six months ago, you, you would have got a fair bit more for it yeah. because right now, because the orders have been in for, for quite a while yeah. and they're just starting to come they through are, now. And it's are. only in the yeah. last four four weeks you're seeing Range Rovers popping up everywhere. And the funny thing is the first one I saw that sold was an import and it sold at $350,000 premium. Because somebody managed to get their hands on it. I think it was from Canada. Quickly put it online, Dubai being Dubai. Somebody yeah. wanted to be the first on the road to drive this thing. And yeah, happy to pay a couple hundred thousand premium. That's going to get wiped off real quick now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so what are you thinking about the Jaguar F-Type, the R-Dynamic? How, uh, Just remind me what year that was. Uh, 2018, but it's only got 28,000 kilometers. Oh, honestly, that, that is literally a fantastic car. But it's quite hard to find the right buyer for it because not many people out there that would appreciate it. It's five litre supercharger from those days. That's right. It's the full yes. fat. Yeah, it's, 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 they just managed to squeeze it in that little it's thing. Everything. You know? <laughs> uh, I'd say around like, I'd, I'd, I'd present it well, expect to wait around a bit, put it onto a bizzle, 239, 249, mm. uh, and just wait around. You should find the right buyer, but make sure it's you know well advertised, uh, w- good description, good photos, and uh, it the thing is with the convertible now, it's not the right time of year with Ramadan coming, yeah, we're coming into the hotter months. Um, you should have sold it a month or two ago while we're still in season. And if you're not in a rush, I'd advise you to wait till probably September, October, yeah. one just after summer. Yeah. And if it doesn't sell now, it will definitely sell then. Oh, for sure. If you if you put on the market, say September, October, yeah, exactly. Um, great time yeah. then to be, to be start yeah. moving uh, moving convertibles. Uh, yeah, so we hope that helps you. Um, now, I've got um, another text here from uh, Ibrahim, and he has a Chevrolet Traverse. It's a 2011. It has a gear leakage issue. Um, Ibrahim, I'd like to know whether you mean that's a, the sound of the – it's making a hissing noise or whether it's actually leaking oil. Um, is it best to get it fixed with the dealer or outside 
um, or should he just flip it? Um, so I'd say fix it outside. The, the most common thing is, so you'd go to the RTA once a year, right? And you'd sit there and you'd pray that your car passes the, the normal test or the MOT or the, the, the test the test. Um, the most common thing of not just this car, but most cars that come to this age is what they call a rear crank seal. So this is mm. the seal that connects the engine and the gearbox together. Um, and that tends to fail after five to ten years, and then it starts seeping. So it's not generally a leak. It doesn't drip. Yeah. But it's just starting to seep. They call it sweat, right? And then over the years, it gets worse. So you just want to maintain your gearbox. So um, if and when it gets to a point where it needs to be changed, depending on the car, sometimes the whole engine and gearbox needs yes. to come out. I believe with a Traverse, you're quite lucky where you can actually lift the car up and just pull the gearbox back. Um I think it would be beyond economical repair if you take that to the dealership. But if you go to a competent, independent workshop, um, you can get that fixed. And as long as the car's not giving you any other issues, this is not anything to worry about. It shouldn't put you off the car. It's just a common wear and tear thing. And it happens to Ferraris and Mercedes as well, right? It's it happens just, to them all. But, yeah. but, but but that's a very good point. If if you have to, if it's a rear main seal, some cars you have to remove the gearbox. Very expensive. You can get away without that yeah. by removing the drive shaft and then you can work on it yeah. from then. As long as you don't have to remove the engine in some cases. Sometimes you yes, have to pull the true. whole thing out, which is a nightmare. True. Um, so we hope that helps you, Ibrahim, with some advice there. Now we're going to go to the line. We've got Aunt, uh, Annette on the phone. Um, good morning, Annette, BMW owner. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. So you've got a new BMW, 2022 model. I have a lovely one, yes. Uh, it's one year old, 11,800 kilometres on the clock. Um, perfect inside out. But I'm thinking about buying a bigger one with a bigger boot. Um, we adopted three dogs and it's not very convenient traveling with three dogs in a BMW 2 Series. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I imagine that would be... what would be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, imagine, uh, yeah, 2 Series BMW, three three dogs and a couple of people on board. It's um, It, it, it would be, uh, yeah, cozy. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> and very hairy. <laughs> yeah. I'd be looking at maybe, um, have you thought about the X-Series BMWs, the X1s, X2, the, the smaller end of the SUVs side of things? Because that way you've got a bit of boot space as well, um, whether you know the dogs can sit yeah. as well. Yeah, X1 is too small for us because we have three large dogs. So when I was buying the 2-Series, I was looking at the X1. Mm-hmm. Uh, X2 was not in stock, so I couldn't check out that one. Yeah. Um, so I went for the two series because at that time we had only two of those uh, uh, fur bodies, but now we have three. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess Naz, it's it's also and 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 you've 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 pointed out a very poignant issue. What's available? What you can get your hands on? If there are no X ones in stock, you 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 were then sort of forced your hand, I guess, to get the two two one eight. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, I guess that sort of uh, points you in the in the direction of what you can and can't get at the moment. Yeah, sure. May I ask you When did you buy this car? I bought it here in Dubai. Brand new. At, uh, the salon, brand new. Yeah. Yeah. So my first owner. And uh, one of the things that you'll find is that was the time when there was no stock in cars. So we say this yeah. all the time, right? Post Corona. A lot of the dealerships simply didn't have the cars available in stock. But now, when you do go into the dealership, after all the chip shortage and logistics post-COVID has been solved, um, you can get hold of cars now. Um, and may I ask, what did you pay for your car at the time? Is it MPAC or not? It would have been around 190, 210,000. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, 179, I believe. And you're right. When I bought the car, basically, I bought the one from the shop window. Because there's yeah. nothing because available. They, yeah. <laughs> 
they didn't have anything available and the next del- del- delivery was expected in six to nine months. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. So, so look, I had the choice of buying this or not. <laughs> yeah, look, at least you had fun in it and you've done 8,400 kilometers trouble free. I mean, what I would say now is, uh, again, I've been recommending everyone looking on Dubizel and elsewhere. Um, it's a great time of year to actually get into a new car. So you'll see a lot of dealerships over the next five to seven days starting their Ramadan offers, you know, trading your old car for a new car. Let's, let's, let's uh, you know, let's take advantage of these things. In terms of current price, what you can expect, um, you know, if you were to advertise the car yourself, present it well, I'd say maybe 140, 135, 140, somewhere there. Um, you know, you always expect a 20, 15 to 20% depreciation after the first year. And just make sure you get all the dog hair out, of course. <laughs> Give it a good <laughs> and, fella. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> second of all, my recommendation would be um, so you don't have to take another 15% hit on depreciation as soon as you buy your new car, is when you do look for your, your, your next car, buy something 6 to 12 months old or even 24, 18 months old, something like that. So if you can, yeah. you can get your yeah. next three, your next five, um, you've got the Audi range, there's a lot of Mercedes within the smaller compact SUV range as well. Um, and you can literally get like 50, 60, 70,000 dirhams off your list price just by having the Kondu Bizzle, looking out for a good Ramadan offer, but make sure you get a good trade in value yeah. in your car as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I was asking to see what uh, what would be a good trade in value or a fair price. Yeah, Brilliant. somewhere there. Well, I hope that uh, gives you an idea, uh, and that uh, yeah. maybe even also take go back to the dealer where you bought the car from and, and see if they've got stock now and take the car back. But uh, you've, you've got some options out there anyway, so uh, I hope that uh, helps you and your dogs for uh, for the future of purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, we've got a text message in uh, Naz for a Volkswagen Tiguan uh, 2021 model, 18,000 kilometres, but uh, full GCC specs. Okay, um, so with these, it all depends on the trim level. It um, does so indeed, remember, yeah. There's yeah. more information about it. So there's the S, there's the SEL. Um, could be the R design, the R line, which is obviously the top of the range. Uh, but assuming, let's go for something mid-level-ish, I'd say around 115 to 120,000 dirhams. A um, little bit less if it's a basic model and a lot more if it's the fully loaded R. <laughs> uh, just, just got some more details here, actually. It's yeah, 18,033 kilometres. Uh, 1.4 litre petrols, R-type body kit, R-type leather interior, and uh, it says he's mid-option, automatic transmission. Yeah, I'd say around $125,000 for that. There you go. In fact, I think Shane's just joined us on the line. We'll just, we'll just go through to you. Uh, good wow. morning, Shane. Hey, good morning, gents. How are you? Very well, good, thanks. thanks. Uh, yeah, you just you just snuck through. You followed through <laughs> with your text message. So you've got this, uh, the 2021 Volkswagen Tiguan. Correct, yes, yes. Only recently bought as well, but... Um just looking to see, uh, looking to upgrade. We got a new dog. Uh, the situation's changed. Looking to have a, a child shortly as well. So something a bit bigger. Congratulations. Ah, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, everyone's got dog stories today, Naz. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. With your cars. <laughs> I guess the weather's great for it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's a good, good, good time to sell and also a good time to buy. It's a very buoyant market. And if you've just been listening to the, the show earlier, I was saying there's going to be a lot of Ramadan offers on now. So you can expect a lot of the. dealerships to you know throw in you know maximum part exchange value or you know one year's free insurance registration or just discounted cars in general you've also got the new car dealerships pumping out cars at a good pace now so uh, you know i'd just hold my breath wait for a week and just drive drive into a couple of dealerships what are you looking for do do you know what you want 
Well, yeah, I, I'm looking for there, thereabouts. I mean, I think you said just recently, just there a second ago, 125. I was looking for 135, 100, 130, 135. So it's not, it's not far off. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I said that before on you was the R body. Sorry, we never got back to this point, right? <laughs> so I said, look, I, I said 120, 125. If it's the R, a little bit more. If it's basic, a little bit less. So now it is the R. I'd say 135 is the right price. Another thing you can do is there's no harm in trying, right? You've got a week or two before you start shopping around for a new car. Get your car into a business, get it online, get it advertised, put it up at 139, 135, just see what kind of offers you do get. The reason is you just want that sanity check, really. So when you go into a dealership next week and they say, yeah, we're going to sell you the shiny new car at discount price, but we're only going to give you 100 for your car. At least you have an idea of what it's actually worth in the the real floating market, right? You know, So you've got a week, put it onto a business, see what happens, and then at least you have an idea of what it's worth. Yeah, actually, it's funny you said that. I had it on the business. I've taken it down now, but I had it on the business for 150, and I was getting around 140, 100, 137 kind of quotes on it. There over, you go, perfect. I, I, put it, I put it up, yeah, yeah. So I, I did test the market already, but yeah, I just wanted to see what you gents had in mind, see if there's any more. So I think I was, I said 135, I was two and a half thousand terms off, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Well, I hope that works for you, Shane. Excellent, gents. Thanks so much. Have All a great the best, day. thank you. No worries, man. Have a good day. Um, so a uh, uh, text message into Naz, um, an interesting one here, Mercedes tw- 2017 model. Uh, an interesting little sleeper here. It's a C43 AMG with 79,000 kilometres on the clock. Uh, GCC premium plus spec new tyres and uh, looking for evaluation. Don't have a name on that one, so uh, sorry about that, but it is a 2017 C43 AMG. Is it? Do we know if it's two-door or four-door? Uh, no, I don't know. You know, don't this know. is ultimate sleeper. Three-liter yeah. twin-turbo. I yeah. had one of these back in the day. They're incredible, incredible cars, and they come really well-specced as well if you get the good ones. For sure. The Burmaster sound and things like that. Depending on four-door or two-door, of course, if it was the four-door, assuming it's GCC, you know, Gergash or, you know, uh, Emirates Motors, full service history, I'd say around 160, 165. If it's a okay. coupe, probably around 15,000, 20,000 more. They're, they really, really yeah. do hold their value. I mean, a couple of years ago, they were worth around 20, 30 grand less, but things have just gone up. And C43 is one of the things that have gone up. People are really yeah. appreciating these cars now. Because people naturally think AMG must go for the biggest we can get. But the C43, more honestly, you must try more it. More than enough. More than and enough. And they do sound good. But Yeah, when you put it on the right mode, it yeah. really still yeah. pops and bangs, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, now, going to the other end of the scale, uh, i got on the line. Ian, Ian, good morning. You have a uh, 2015 Nissan Tita. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good morning, yes. I just would like to know how much the price for my car. Okay, so it's a white one. You've got uh, 218,000 kilometres. Um, yes. What more can you tell me about it? You say a couple of minor scratches here or there? Yeah, it's just some minor scratches and, uh, you know, uh, wear and tear uh, parts has to be replaced. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, Naz, 218,000 kilometres. Um, Quite a lot of them out on the road. What would you expect for that? Yeah, one? very popular car, very easy to maintain. These things don't stick around for long. They, like you sell them quite quickly. In terms of pricing, look, mileage is on the higher side. I'd say around mm, eighteen to twenty thousand dirhams somewhere there. Maybe even twenty-two. It just depends. Yeah. You just have to find the right buyer for it. But th- there are people out there. Again, just advertise it, present it well, and it should sell fairly quickly. Yeah, and, and again, Ian, it's a it's a great Debizzle car. That that if you put that up on Debizzle, you'll probably sell that within hours, I would think. I'd actually get a spare phone oh, line for okay. it because yeah. the phone's going to go crazy. <laughs> 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 I'm thinking it's around, around 12 to 15k. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. 
I'm thinking about 12 to 15 here, but uh, yeah, the, that, the market's on fire. Honestly, just put it up a bit higher and see what happens. Yeah, I, I think you get a lot more than 12 to 15. I think you do. You'll do quite well if if that was your uh, your your, uh, your estimate. I think you'll be uh, you'll be happily yeah. uh, pleased. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Ian. And uh, enjoy your afternoon. Um, now, another text message has come through. This one is uh, again no name on this. Please, guys, give us, send us your name. We'd love to uh, address you personally, yeah. so you know we're we're talking about you. Mystery be- shoppers, yes, mystery <laughs> shoppers out there. Um, mystery Volvo XC90 shoppers. Uh, this is a 2017 Volvo XC90. Has 170,000 kilometres. Uh, it's red dealer, full service history. Um, one owner since new. Uh, what can I sell it for now, please? No accidents and in very, very good condition. You know, you don't see Volvos on the road as much as you used to. No, no. You know, they had this solid reputation of safety, safety, and everyone just wanted a Volvo for safety. But that that's kind of died down a bit, hasn't it, I think? It, Te- it Tesla's getting all yeah. these five-star ratings and things like that. But honestly, they're still phenomenal cars. If you've been into these new generation Volvos, the dashboards and the layout, they, they really stepped up. You know, it took them... 15 years to change the XC90 shape? Yeah. I think it was from 2002, and they just got it right, didn't they, with that yeah. seven-seat to tank, and it went all the way up until 2015, 16. So this is one of the early new shapes, 2017. In terms of pricing, um, it all depends because they had the smaller engine, the two-liter. They also had the R design, which was slightly larger, but depending on the spec, I'd say around 130,000 domes. Now, I think there. this is the R design. Uh, oh, it's R design. Ernestine's new R. Okay, and the kilometers, sorry? Uh, 170,000 kilometers. Oh, let's go back down a bit then. So the R-Design adds 20 grand to the value. The yep. high mileage knocks off about right. 30 grand. So that's what's going on in my head right now. So I'd say around 115 to 120,000 dirhams, simply because the mileage just knocks it back a bit. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, here's a, here's a, here's a favourite in the region. Another text message again. No, not much information, but we'll give it a shot anyway. It's a 2021 Mercedes G63, 49,000 kilometres, dealer maintained. So depends on the options as well. To 2019... Uh, 2021. Oh, 2021. Mm. So there was a couple of like, uh, you know, where they had the night package, where it's got the entertainment system in the back and things like that. But ballpark figure, I'd say around 700, 750,000 dollars somewhere there. Okay, there you go. That's um, that's that's not a bad one. Uh, now going to the lines very quickly. Good morning, Barat. Good morning. Good morning. So you've got a Lexus 350 ES 2017. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, this car, uh, I bought it in 2015, and uh, now it's 215,000 kilometers run. Uh, I bought it at 30,000, actually. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, now it's not having much issues, but some leaks are there, uh, you know. And I've showed it to the uh, garage. They gave me a quote of around uh, 3,500 dirhams all-inclusive for fixing the parts and all that. Okay. So what I think is, uh, should I flip it or get it uh, repaired or what? Nice. Honestly, I mean, you've had this car since 2015, and just to give you a high-level value now, the car's worth around 20,000 dirhams. So t- for you to spend, you know, 10,000 depreciation yeah. and probably not much maintenance over, what, the best part of eight years, that's like a couple hundred dirhams a month. That's incredible value. Um, the good news is these Lexuses are actually bulletproof. I mean, you expect the oil leaks, as we mentioned, yeah. you know, front crank seal, rear crank seal, you know, valve cover gaskets, things like that, as as the cars go on in this heat. Um, but 200,000 kilometers is relatively low mileage. These things are going for 500 and longer. We all know what Toyota, <laughs> the reputation is. Um, so my advice would be, um, 
unless you've come into money or you want to spend more money, if you're happy with the car and you're happy to drive it for a few more years, then my advice would be spend that three and a half thousand and just keep the thing on the road because it's not going to lose much more value. You can drive this car another two years and it'll probably lose another yeah. 2,000 dirhams, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what What about the, uh, if I want to buy another uh, or trade in with an RX 350 of like uh, old RX350? Yeah, they're great yeah. cars. They're great cars. Good SUV, very strong. Um, question is, do you want to pay like a 30, 40, 50, 60 grand premium to get into a 4x4 when you're comfortable with what you've got, you know? Um, but if you want the RX, it's a really good car. I don't think you'll get a trade-in value as such. The average showroom or dealership that has an RX in stock is probably not going to want a Lexus 350 in exchange. So my advice would be sell the 350 first. Um, you know, get it advertised, put it up, prepare it well, you know, put it up for 25, 28, wait, expect a couple of offers. Once you have that cash in your hand, then you go into the dealerships and you're in a real position to negotiate. There you go, Barrett. I hope that uh, gives, gives you some, uh, some, some, some indicators where you can go. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, still a little bit more time for Fix It or Flip It. This, this segment is flying through this morning. We're going to go straight to the line now, and we've got Uma on the line. Uh, good morning, Uma. Hi, good morning. Now, you've got a... Um, oh, Uma, I'm just reading through the message probably. You've got a lovely car. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, it is a lovely car, yes. I drive it too much, and I think uh, <laughs> I'm looking to uh, part ways uh, after adding... Uh, so it's a uh, BMW... A on it. It's a BMW M850i Coupe 2019 model. Uh, grey with brown and grey interior, full spec, 70,000 kilometres, Umar. You, you haven't driven it very much. He's saying the opposite. He has I driven thought for some of these cars, uh, <laughs> that's a lot. It is slightly on the higher side, but these cars are obviously made to be driven. So, you know, you see them online. You know, if you have a quick look online, you know, anywhere between 30,000 kilometres, where it's yeah. obvious it's a second car or a third car, all the way up to, you know, 80,000, 90,000 kilometres if it's a daily car or somebody does a daily commute. And uh, But good on you for, for, for making use of that engine because it's a really, really, really good car, especially the Empire. It's something else. But the thing is, it's so underrated. I mean, you don't get your average shopper who's going to wake up in the morning and say, today, mm, you know, I want a, I want a 250,000 Durham car, I want a coupe, I'm going to go buy an 8 Series. It's just because, you know, they stopped making the original, yeah. I think it's the E24s back in the day. That's right. And it's just taking time for people to understand, you know, this, this grand coupe concept from BMW, which which they've done yeah. a phenomenal job on, really. And Uma, yours is the uh, is the V12, is that right? No, it's not. It's the V8. No, they're the V8. Oh, the V8. Yeah. It's the old ones out of the, the V8. Yeah, yeah, the bi-turbo. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Now I've got you. So right. it, I'm, th I'm thinking of the older coupes. Yeah, yeah. The older coupes <laughs> with the pop-up lights, they yes, were the V12s. And then if you get hold of the CSI in those, the yeah. manual, that's something else. But in terms of pricing for this summer, I'd still say it's worth a strong 260 270 even 280 It just depends if you want to get a trade-in price or a cash price or you want to retail it yourself. But my advice would be you're obviously driving every day. If you're not in a particular rush to sell it, you know, you've got two really good things going for you, which is the warranty, the service contract that definitely adds value. You know, put up a nice advert, make sure you make, you know, it's clear that the warranty and the service pack is available. Uh, it's at M, which is top spec as well. I don't think that'll stick around for too long, to be honest. Uh, well, I, I hope so. I've, I've tried uh, some of these dealers. Uh, I mean, which is, I think, going out on a limb here, right? I mean, if you tried one of the, yeah. it depends if it's a, you know, part X place or, or cash buying business, you probably, they'd probably offer you like low twos. Is that right? Somewhere two, 200. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's what, yeah. There's there's margins. They have to pay rent, bills, overheads, things like that, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I'd put it up myself. 
and uh, get somewhere way closer to 250. Great. Thank you so much. All right, cool. No problems. All the best. No problems. Thanks very much, Emma. Good luck with that one. You can tell my head's stuck in the 80s and 90s, isn't it? It's, uh, I think, 850, I think, the pop of headlights. Amazing. And that I've got one classic. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. I do want to get one one day. I really, really do. Um, Just just a lovely – I drove the prototype to that in Germany in 1988 – and it was actually a 635 BMW with box guards with the uh, with the 8 Series platform underneath it. Really? V12. Wow. Yeah. Well, that would have been an experience. Um, that, that, was, uh, that was quite something else. But anyway, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about Mushtak. Mushtak is on the phone now. Good morning, Mushtak. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well, Mushtak. You have a Mercedes E300. Uh, tell me more about it. Yeah, it is. Uh, I bought it new from brand new with me. Initially, for the first five years, it was... Uh, under the agency management. Now it is privately done, uh, fully serviced. Uh, 2015, 116,000 now. I uh, just want to see the price. What, can, what, what price should I expect for this? Is it the, uh, is it the AMG pack? No, it's not the. Well, it's between AMG, because at that time they were offering some extras to the normal E300. It's not fully AMG, but most of the thing is spoiler and interior yeah. data, all there. Okay. okay. Um, Honestly, great cars, uh, they're like staple. I mean, you know, they use these for like taxis and Ubers in yeah. Europe. They're just bulletproof. They just keep on going, don't they? I mean, in terms of pricing, I'd say 80, 85 to 90,000 dirhams, somewhere there. That's that's realistic we're going to get for it. How does that okay, sound, Mushtaq? That, uh, that, that sounds fairly well. I was expecting around 70, 75. But if it's yeah. 85, then probably I'll sell it and maybe buy a newer version of Mercedes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have a Mercedes fan there. <laughs> all the best, Mushtaq. Hope that, uh, hope that gives you some advice. Brilliant. Uh, thanks very much for that. Now, that's all we've got time for, for Flix, Fix It or Flip It for this stage. So thank you so much, Naz, for, for joining us on Motor Media once Absolute again. Your, your plans this week? Anything uh, in car-wise? I just got hold of this 430. For me, like, <laughs> th- th- that period, the, the mid-2000s, those are when they made the last of the real cars. So the, the 430 for me was an, always an incredible car. I love that Ferrari. Um, so I'm going to be enjoying this over the next week or two. Well, I'm going to see you back in the studio next week. That's another busy hour wrapped up. I'm Damien Reid, and this is Motor Mania.